Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather. And I'm Mark, and we are your co-hosts. And we're here to take a look back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartels Podcast Network. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. We're going to have a really fun and insightful discussion with Heather today. She's going to share about how Israel found themselves in a liminal space in the wilderness in God's story, the Torah. Are you ready to roll, Heather? Let's do it. And I'm going to get like kind of personal today too. Is that cool? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, because I want to make a good connection with our listeners and sometimes transparency as I always say, births transformation. So there you go. That's nice. one of my little catchphrases. But um, so I've been reading Dr. Carmen Joy Iim's book. I'm going through it a second time. It's called Bearing God's Name. And actually, I've been emailing back and forth with her. We're going to be trying to set up a date here. I'm hoping soon uh, to get her on the podcast. So hopefully, oh, awesome. the, yeah. So hopefully, within the next few months, she'll be on the show. So definitely be on the lookout for that, our friends out there. But in the chap, one of the chapters, she talks about how. When Israel left Egypt, they were thrust into this liminal space. And a space of liminality is simply a place where you're not quite somewhere, but you're headed somewhere, but you're not where you used to be, right? And so she says, for example, things like an airport is a liminal space. You're not really anywhere yet, but you're not where you were when you first started, but you haven't got to your final destination, Um, she also says that pregnancy is Hmm. like a liminal space where it's like, okay, you're, you're kind of a parent, but you're not yet a parent. And you're living in this liminal space of waiting for the birth of the child. Um, she says college is like a liminal space where you leave mom and dad's nest. You, you're out in the real world kind of, sort of, but you're not quite out in the real world kind of, sort of. Um, so it really is like a, it's, it's a space of transformation, yeah. But it can maybe feel like being stuck too. Like, do you exactly. ever feel stuck in an airport? Or yeah, stuck man. Stuck waiting for the baby. Oh, yeah. In college, I didn't feel stuck. I felt like frisbee and pizza. But, Praise anyways. The Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good times. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if liminal spaces were all <laughs> filled with frisbee and pizza? Yeah. Well, college is a liminal to space basically designed to keep you from your own idiocy. That's I mean, right. I think your parents can send you to college as opposed to just, well, good luck. You good know. luck out there with pizza. Yeah. So, so anyway, so she talks about, so she says this in the book, she says, for Israel, the wilderness journey from Egypt to Canaan is a liminal space, far more than just a place to pass through. It is the workshop of Israel's becoming. The wilderness is the temporary destination that makes them who they are. Liminal places always do this. They change us. She goes on to further say the wilderness is his classroom. God's classroom. He has work to do in the Israelites that can only be done in a state of dislocation in liminal space. So I wanted to share a personal story about a time when I was thrust into liminal space, because I have a feeling if our youth leaders out there and friends who listen to the show have lived even a little bit of life, they've been thrust into a few liminal spaces of their own, because a liminal space isn't necessarily always a place that we want to be. It's usually mm-hmm. a place that we want to get out of because it's painful, just as the Israelites wanted to get out of their wilderness wandering. They didn't want to be there, but God was using it to transform and to change them. And yeah. so um, like about two and a half years ago, I lost a job that I had in youth ministry. 
I got hired on at this church. I hadn't even been at the church even quite a year and um, was called in to pastor's office. I'd just come back from my pregnancy leave and Mm -hmm. um, I was told I wasn't the right fit. And um, we're going to cut ties, Heather, and sorry, but this is it. And I was I was floored. I was humiliated. I, um, a couple of months before that, some stuff was brought to my attention. I was put on a growth plan. I submitted myself 100% to the growth plan. I did everything was asked of me. I even went above and beyond in yeah. many ways uh, to show humility and to show that I wanted to grow and to change. But still, at the end of the day, I was cut loose. And I was thrust into this place of liminality where I was no longer on staff at a church and I was literally ripped out. It felt like, you know, at the snap of a finger, I was mad. I was angry. I didn't want to be in the place that I was in, but I knew that there was something that God wanted to do in my life through that because a couple years prior to that, I was went through this liminal season that I kind of really hated and I was really angry about and I grew some resentment in there and I kind of tried to run out of that liminal space and therefore didn't really grow and change in the ways I think that I was supposed to. And so this situation of liminality was so devastating to me that I finally said, okay, I'm done. I'm submitting myself to the Lord. (laughs) I'm just going to sit still. I'm going to wait out the process in the wilderness. I'm going to trust that God's going to do what he needs to do. And Real so, quick, I, yeah. I bet as you're, I bet as you're talking, people are remembering having gone through this. I don't, I don't think very many youth pastors serve for a long time without losing a job or a staff transfer that's not the healthiest. Sure. In fact, most—I don't want to say most, but a lot of youth pastors I talk to have gone through messy situations where they felt called and felt a duty Absolutely. to their church and to their kids. Yes. And for some reason they were let go. Yeah. Maybe it was a culture clash. Yep. Maybe it was, well, that adulting gets real about the time you take your first youth ministry job. And yeah. sometimes you're balancing, you know, parenting and marriage and, sure. and, and sometimes you're in a church where you wouldn't necessarily go there if you didn't work there. Yeah. And all those things are at play. Yeah. So I'll just bet as you're telling this story, that there's a whole lot of like, yeah, me too's out there. You know, and and looking back and I'll just share this briefly too, looking back on that experience at the time I wanted to make it the right fit. But as Mm -hmm. I look back, I see that it actually really wasn't the right fit for me and for my family. I mean, just a real quick aside here, like literally like a week after I showed up on staff, um, one of the people in leadership wanted me to read through the book irresistible by Andy Stanley, which is, have you read that book? Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. It is a a long time ago. Oh, wow. It's very, um, it's a total slap in the face to the old Testament and the interconnectedness of scripture. And it's a really poo poo on the Jewish people in many ways. And I remember. So not the best fit for Heather Kiro, founder of first century youth ministry, where we look back at the Jewish roots of our faith as a way forward in discipleship. Yeah, for real. So, you know, obviously looking back on that, I was like, okay, I see where there wasn't the right fit for me either. But, you know, but, but still it was such a hard thing to walk through. And, I just remember very specifically, I, I, as I submitted myself to God and I asked for other friends to pray for me, I said, I'm going to be the biggest blessing that I can in leaving this situation. I'm going to let go of any type of anger or bitterness or anything that I have. 
Yeah. And I'm going to submit myself to God. And as I asked friends to pray for me, some uh, a similar theme kept coming up. Um, you know, seek first the Lord and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you as well. And yeah. so what I decided to do was I just, I really sense that the Lord wanted me to prioritize my husband and my daughter. So that's what I did. I, I felt very strongly, I felt very strongly that the Lord was impressing upon me that I was not to go look for a job, that he was going to find one for me. And that for this season in my life as a new mom, that I was not to go seek full-time work, but that he was going to provide for our family, even though our, our finances was liter- were literally cut in half. And yeah. so I did that. I submitted myself to the Lord. My husband supported me in it. And from the time I lost my job in May until December of that year, our, the money in our bank account really didn't change at all. My husband, this is a remarkable. My husband got a promotion. Yeah. We got like, you would hear, I would always hear about this. Like people would be like, oh, I got this random weird check in the mail. Like that started happening to us. Like, really? Yes. Yes. And so we got the biggest tax return we ever got. We got this random like check from our, you know, our, um, from our home. We apparently we overpaid on our home mortgage by like a lot of money. And so, Oh, that's where the checks come from. When people tell me those stories, I'm like, who is it that would send me a check? I don't know who that would be. So, so anyways, um, so like, so this is wild. So I, we started attending a different church in where we were living and they were a church of like 250 people post COVID or pre COVID, excuse me. And they didn't have anybody leading their youth ministry. And I said, look, I love youth ministry. It's my jam. Like, like I've been sitting on my heels, just waiting on God for like the past few months. I've, you know, as I've lost my job, I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do it as a volunteer. I'll, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. And they said, okay. And they handed me the keys. I'm not, I kid you not. They gave me keys. They gave me office space within a couple of weeks. And, um, I was like doing the youth ministry part time. And, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so then I did that for like four months. And then I felt very strongly that, um, the Lord was, as I told you, was going to get a job for me that I wasn't going to have to get it. And um, January 1, my husband and I had an agreement that I would go out and find part-time work by mm-hmm. January 1. And January 1, um, my husband is looking in our bank account and he's like, huh. He's like, why did the church deposit all this money into our bank account? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. And so I called our pastor and I said, pastor, I was like, you know, do you know why this the church put this money in our bank account? He's like, oh yeah, I've been meaning to tell you. We really love the work that you're doing, and we've been wanting to pay you for it. So we're you know going to be hiring you. <laughs> so, That's amazing. Yeah, but so like here's the thing, right? And at, during that time as I was walking through that liminal space, like that's the blessing of it. But honestly, it felt like somebody was ripping me apart. It felt like things were dying inside of me that I had never experienced before. And, um, I was re I read a book by Jeff Mannion called the land between. That's Uh, my pastor from when I lived in grand Rapids. I worked with him. What Are you for real? Yeah. Yeah. I really like his book. That's so cool. He's a great guy. He he was like, he seems like like it. technically my first boss or wow. i guess the i guess brady the youth pastor under him was technically my first boss i was very low on the totem pole and not very tall but great guy that's fun well, yeah, yeah, yeah he says anyways yeah he says in his book he says remember the israelites are the people of promise headed for the land of promise and they are totally unfit to take possession of the land in their current condition they really don't know god or trust him the purpose of the desert is to forge a relationship of trust 
And further on, he says, our reality is that the process of growing up spiritually often requires extended time in the land between, as Dr. Imes calls it, that liminal space, right? He says months and years rather than minutes. And so I just want to encourage our listeners out there who are in a liminal space, a place where they don't want to be right now. It's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. A number of years ago, I walked through a very challenging season in my marriage where it was beyond, someday maybe I'll share about that. It was beyond painful. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to get out of it, of the situation that I was in, but I knew I had to stay. And both my husband and I grew and changed because of it. And the same thing happened when I submitted myself to this liminal space when I lost my job. So I just want to encourage a youth worker out there who might be in a hard season and you want to get out of it. You want to fix it. You want to um, run from this place that you're in because you don't know if God's going to provide. You don't know if he's going to come through for you. You don't know if these things that you think he's saying to you is what's actually going to take place. I just want to encourage you to trust God in the desert and to let that liminal space change you just as the Israelites did as it was preparing them for the promised land and for God's blessing. That's really good, Heather. Thank you. Can I add one little nerd factoid? Yeah. So liminal spaces in the ancient Near East are where you find monsters. And there's a reason I'm telling you this. Yeah. (laughs) The gods, whether it's Yahweh is, is the god of your city or Marduk, live in the cities. And as you move out from the city, you eventually move out of the God's ability to act. That's what's so profound about the Hebrew Bible is that God shows up in exile too. Yeah. Says, oh, actually I'm God of everything. That's right. Right. But their general conception is that gods are regional. And when you get into mm. the wild, the myth bar, the wilderness space, that's where you find monsters, divine mm. monsters. And so you send the scapegoat to Azazel or so the people rebel against Yahweh and he burns in anger and he sends a destroyer, right? These things, if you read the Hebrew closely, pop up. Here's why I'm telling you that. There's the reality that God grows you in the wilderness and it's painful. There's also a reality that you'll confront the demons you never wanted to, like inside yourself. The, The monsters that live in you for one reason or another will come roaring out in the wilderness and you have to face them with God. That and is grow so true. with God. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's a hundred percent true. I feel like a different person having walked through that land between that liminal space and getting yeah. to the other side of it. Yeah. Cool. So when's Dr. Imes coming on the show? That's cool. Well, I don't know. I'm hoping soon. The last email I got from her was let's set up a time. So cool. Can I ask her about monsters? You can. Ah. Apparently, she's in the United States now. She was in Canada. She switched to a different college. That's awesome. She's in California. Cool. PST, Pacific Standard Time. We'll look her up. Yeah, man. Hey, so everyone, this has been really helpful. Heather, thanks for framing just the seasons of life that we never asked to go through, but that turn out growing us up the most sometimes. Mm -hmm. If you haven't gone through one yet. Uh, keep doing ministry. You will. <laughs> hey, if you want to go farther, faster for understanding the context of Jesus and taking a look back for the way forward for discipleship, head to firstcenturyyouthministry.com. If you haven't picked up Heather's book yet, what are you waiting for? I mean, come on. Um, and uh, lots of great new stuff that Heather and I are plotting for the year. So Indeed. keep an eye out. 
but we would love to also interact with you in the Facebook group, First Century Youth Ministry, or you can come like our fan page or like we asked, please leave a review. We really appreciate it. And most of all, it's good for our hearts to hear that the show's helpful. Yeah, definitely. All right. And I'll be at the Women in Youth Ministry Conference um, March 11th. So come visit my booth, y'all, if you're going to be there. All right. Sounds awesome. Bye, everyone. Bye.